On this episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we'll be discussing 1984's Supergirl, starring Faye Dunaway, Peter O'Toole, and Helen Slater. Joining us for discussion will be Todd Liebenau from the Forgotten Films Podcast and Walt Sent Me. Welcome to Cult Cinema Cavalcade, a movie podcast that features hosts Brandon and Cullen discussing a film considered but not limited to being a cult classic. The episode you are listening to will include plot spoilers and may contain harsh language. Follow CC Cavalcade on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Listen to the show on cultcinemacavalcade.com, iTunes, and anywhere podcasts are found. I'm looking for some person called Mrs. Selena. Madame Selena. You found her, lucky boy. I said you just flew over my head. True or false? True. Like Superman. He's my cousin. This is Cult Cinema Cavalcade. This is episode 58. This is Brandon. And as always with me is your co-hoster who would probably rather Argo got filmed than Argo City, Cullen. Zip zap, I'm here. Today we are here to discuss the 1984 film Supergirl. Cullen, uh, use your supervisions and give them a super plot. After losing a powerful orb, Kara, Superman's cousin, comes to Earth to retrieve it and instead finds herself up against a wicked witch. Supergirl is directed by Janelle Swa and stars Helen Slater, Faye Dunaway, Peter O'Toole, Brenda Vaccaro, Hart Bachner, Mark McClure, and Mia Farrow for a couple seconds. Welcome back, loyal listeners, and greetings to you, newbies. We are heading back to Superman territory here on Cult Cinema Cavalcade. If you'll remember, we did a versus episode back in our first year, which was Superman 3 versus Superman 4. Today, though, it's the film that came in the middle of those, but we'll get there in a moment. First, let me introduce to you our guest from Forgotten Films, and Walt sent me, it's Todd Liebenau. Hello, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, Todd. It's been a while. I, I was on your show a couple years ago, yeah, and I've been, yeah. been wanting to get you on this one, and we're here, finally. Yeah, I was I was looking back. I was going, what movie did we discuss when Brandon was on my show? And I think it was it was a horror film, right? He Knows You're Alone, I think was the title. The cinematic debut of Tom Hanks. Yes, the Halloween ripoff with Tom Hanks in it, except he's not the killer. No, that would have been great. No, that was <laughs> a fun time. How, how has things been going at Forgotten Films? Oh, uh, things are going good. The podcast is inching closer to the 100th episode, which we'll be doing here in in November. So yeah, having lots of fun discovering those movies that have been forgotten by time and nobody seems to want to talk about anymore. So that's why I bring them out and we talk about them. It makes you perfect for this show because there's a lot of movies <laughs> we go over as well. And you also have Walt Sent Me. Walt Sent Me is uh, a bit different. It's a podcast I do with my co-host Kristen Lopez and we talk about Disney movies on that podcast, but not just Disney in terms of like animated films or, you know, the old live action films they did we talk about those for sure uh, like we just did an episode on the apple dumpling gang recently but we cover anything and everything from any of the studios that fall under disney's umbrella so one time we did a, an episode on armageddon because that was released by a disney company we did an episode on jackie brown because that was released by miramax during the years that disney owned them we cover everything that 
uh, was somehow under the umbrella of the mouse. You have a lot of ventures that go on. Oh yeah, I, I it's actually it's your timing on inviting me on on this show was great because about like four or five other podcasts <laughs> invited me on all at the same time. So uh, staying busy with that stuff, I, I I'm on the Lambcast regularly, which is the main podcast for the large association of movie blogs. I also write some stuff over at channelsuperhero.com, which focuses on superhero and comic inspired TV series. So my assignments right now are the 1966 Batman series, which we're in season three of. And then I also write about Mighty Morphin Power Rangers episode by episode. So. Ooh, you got a lot, you got a lot to go with those power. Are you covering any specific Power Ranger series or the whole thing? I am on the first season. I do not dare to say that I will make it through every Power Rangers incarnation because there's just been so many. And just the first season alone is so big. You know, it was a daily series. So they had like 60 some episodes, I think, in the first season. It's going to take quite a while to get through just that first season. <laughs> Ooh, and you're also a, an adult, too. So it might be. <laughs> yeah, you know, or... wife and kids, all that kind of stuff to deal with, too. Yeah. So everybody here had seen Supergirl before this, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've seen this more times than I'd like to admit, definitely. <laughs> Does everybody like know how the, the history of how this came about? I always kind of describe it as being the last gasp of the, the Salkins to try and get a little more money out of the Superman franchise because they had really kind of struggled with Superman 3. That movie just didn't fare well the year before and I think scarred a lot of young people like myself. The the robot scene in Superman 3 oh, yeah. terrified yeah. me. I you know, I just could not stand that thing. So yeah, this was kind of just the last gasp of trying to squeeze a bit more out of it and yeah, it didn't end up doing a whole heck of a lot. They, they didn't learn from their mistakes from the third one where they just made up a villain instead of taking someone from the comics. And this one it's just like, well, it's a it's a witch lady. Huh? What do you think, folks? <laughs> Though I will say that, you know, having the magic element, I from my limited knowledge of the Superman comics, it does fit because I guess in the early days, it wasn't just that Superman's weakness was kryptonite. It was also bat magic. And so that does have some history in the Superman lore, I guess. The Salkins, yeah, it was their last guy. I mean, Richard Lester, they wanted him to return again, and he didn't even want to come back for this. <laughs> yeah. They took it to the UK, which ended up slowly severing ties with Warner Brothers, because this was a TriStar film when it got released in the U.S. Yes, it was the only DC-related property that wasn't originally released through Warner Brothers. Which they own it back now. When Superman Returns, when that came out, they bought it back. But it failed so bad that the salt kinds were even done with Superman. And this is how Canon Films got the Superman rights, was because this one did so bad. And we got Superman 4, which everybody for Superman 4 is like, wait, the salt kinds are gone? Yeah, I'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. I One of the things I've kind of read and heard is that the Salkins definitely burned a lot of bridges, it seems. I mean, one of the most intriguing commentary tracks I've ever listened to is the one on the original Superman done by Richard Donner and Tom Mankiewicz, uh, who is one of the writers. And they, they do not pull any punches and say what they think of the Salkins. They even made like documentaries. for When Superman Returns came out, they made a big one. They did not hold back. They I mean, they even brought Richard Donner back to allow him to make finish his own like edit of Superman 2 with what was left. I'm not sure if up until Superman Returns were, were had any producers 
related to a Superman movie that knew what the hell they were doing. All of them were just like, we have money and we have Superman. Let's make it. Yeah. I mean, it was unproven ground. They were just trying to make, they were like, well, let's make that kid's movie for adults, but still want the kids to come. And it was just, you know, these movies were testing waters that have perfected to the consistency we would get today with a lot of these. So yeah, we were kinda... we were very fortunate that Richard Donner directed the first ones because he seemed to know what he was doing. No one else in charge seemed to know what the hell they were doing. And it's Richard Donner's influence, I think, that saves the second one, too. I mean, I, had, mm-hmm. I enjoy the yeah. heck out of the second one, but that's no thanks to Richard Lester. And I respect no. Richard Lester. Richard Lester has done some fine things. I mean, A Hard Day's Night, I, I love it, but he's not the right fit for Superman, and the evidence of that is Superman 3. So the, the Saul kinds, that's showing they didn't know what they were doing, because they were obsessed with you know Lester because they were drooling over, oh, he's the guy from Hard Day's Night, and he's one to work for us, ooh, and then when they went to make Superman, they got Gene Hackman and Marlon Brando with no idea why, just because they were popular, <laughs> and they got Mario Puzo to work on the script, because The Godfather was winning Oscars, so it's like, just do something, you award-winning famous popular people (laughs) and you know donner comes in and makes it work and more evidence that they never learned from their mistakes they have mia farrow in this for two minutes she doesn't need to be in this movie it could have been just any actress and then they also have uh peter o'toole in it like well he's a big name so we got him too yeah, well, that's that's the big thing. 90% of this cast has no business being in this movie. But I will say, and I'm sure we'll get into this more, Helen Slater, I think, knocks it out of the park. But the rest of them, these experienced actors, these award winners, these you know Oscar winners and that, they're just chewing up the scenery. Yeah, mm-hmm. they don't, yeah, they, they have no idea what this is. I mean, everyone else is just there for a paycheck. Absolutely. Before we get started on this super movie, let's hear a word from our super friend, Tom Labrie. You know, a lot of people keep asking me, Tom, how did you get turned on to waterbeds? Well, I'll tell you a true story. It goes back a few years. I used to be a school teacher, on my feet a lot. Pretty soon I began to have back problems. At that time, waterbeds were new, and a friend of mine had one. He said, Tom, why don't you sleep on it for a night and see what happens? This particular bed didn't even have a heater. It was cold, I'll tell you that. But the next morning when I woke up, there was no back pain at all. So I went out and got one for myself, along with a heater. Well, it did so much for me that I thought that I could help other people that had back problems. And that's when I decided to get into this business. Sure, I'm in it to make a living too, but it's nice to deal in a product that you really believe in that helps people. And now, let's get back to the movie. I watched the international cut of the film, which is a 125-minute version. Todd, you said you watched the theatrical? Well, I think the one that I watched is just a hair over two hours, I want to say. Theatrical is like an hour 45. I couldn't find the theatrical on DVD or anything. Uh, Warner Brothers is the uh, international cut, is the one that they have. Then Anchor Bay had a two-disc set with an international cut and a director's cut, which is 138 minutes. And then the theatrical <laughs> cut... Well, actually, you know what's funny? The, the director's cut is framed better. They, like, zoomed and cropped mm. with the international cut, which is weird. And the special effects are better and there's less filtering and like silly things in the director's cut no it doesn't need to be that long but it looks better is one aspect that was Mm -hmm. nice but uh, yeah i watched the international cut i can't imagine 
I mean, there's a lot of stuff in here getting cut short. This movie does feel like too much and not enough right. all at the same time. <laughs> yes, perfect. That's perfect. Supergirl opens with a, I, I want to call it the disco version of the Superman opening credits. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, after it, it, we've done Xanadu this year and Roller Boogie, like, yeah, this, this is, this is, it could have been their opening credits. Well, it's like they said, like, we want to take the Superman theme, but we don't want it to be inspiring at all. We want it to be kind of recognizable, but not too recognizable. Now, see, I actually like the music for this quite a bit. Jerry Goldsmith did the music, and every time I watch this, that theme gets stuck in my head for about the next month or so. I, I, I got no complaints with Jerry Goldsmith's score. It's not bad. It's just overshadowed by John Williams. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Big not. So you're comparing something that's not bad to one of the greatest songs ever composed. <laughs> you know, it's it's a hard bar to clear, right? Which all the trailers just use the Superman theme. They didn't use this, but because <laughs> it's awesome, you're, that's why you're, you're selling something. So we open in Argo City, which is a Kryptonian community in a pocket of trans-dimensional space inner space yeah means without dennis uh, quaid (laughs) yeah i know right which means apparently in a pond on earth i don't (laughs) yeah Yeah. the running theme in this movie is the juxtaposition of scenes or or like like locations to where the others are like they don't entirely make sense and this is really the the beginning of it where like the most outrageous one that makes no sense is at the very beginning of the movie i like the look of this place it does look very set ish but i kind of i like what they're going for it's it looks like it's made of out of rock candy and shower curtains and it's a little more it's not quite the crystal look that you get on krypton and the donner films it's more like the dark crystal but white you know <laughs> this is like yeah. the, the uh the outskirts of krypton and just the whole idea of this place always bugged me a little bit and i recognize this is from the comics but you know is it the whole thing with superman supposed to be the whole last son of krypton type of thing and and no in actuality we have this refugee colony of kryptonians that like you say are in a pond in illinois somewhere yeah <laughs> right. yeah, so, yeah somehow <laughs> they made it off of Krypton before it blew up and somehow they know that Superman exists. Like they know his whole backstory. It's no. Yeah, they know <laughs> this that. This is he- not watch with me. <laughs> Kara Zor-El, who's Supergirl, she finds a guy named Zaltar making Earth things. And Zaltar's played by Peter O'Toole, who I swear is drunk in every scene in this movie. <laughs> no question. No but question. Even when he's playing drunk, he's just hammered at that point. <laughs> Squirt, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And there's a real reaction as Heather Sl- H- Helen Slater realizes it's real. But um, <laughs> she, he, could, she probably takes a step back and smells like this the bourbon or whatever is on his right. breath. Yeah, he uh, talks about leaving to go somewhere else and explains to her that those are in outer space and they live in inner space and shows her an Omega Hedron, which he borrowed, which I'm like, what the heck is that? It creates an <laughs> illusion of life. And then Kara's mom, Mia Farrow, shows up and gives her his wand, and she goes off to screw around with the wand, 
And while Zoltar reiterates to Kara's mom what he just told us two seconds ago that he's leaving, and he's going to go to Venus within the next day or two, he then sneakily kicks the Omega Hedron over to Kara, and she uses the wand on it, and it makes her butterfly drawing come to life. She makes a monster. Let's just call it what it is. Okay. She makes <laughs> an enormous, terrifying like dragonfly. Right. I, I don't know why. Well, it, it flies out a window and begins to suck Kara out, but Zoltar saves her. They're screaming about the power source and Kara's father shows up. He's pissed at Zoltar about taking the Omega Hadron, and they argue as Kara goes and sits on a table that turns into a bubble around her, and she floats away, and it leaves the city. Her parents are, like, pissed. Zoltar's like, she's safe, and she's gonna going into outer space. And he agrees. He's like, you know what? I'll go to the Phantom Zone. Later, guys. <laughs> well, yeah, he, he says, like, oh, you know, it sucks, you know, this whole city is gonna die, but I'm the one that's in real trouble. I gotta go to the Phantom Zone. Like, says who? Yeah, like, he's, he's a little too anxious to go to the Phantom Zone. I, I don't get it. And this whole opening scene is like, what, 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 what? <laughs> Like there's this, there's a, there's a ball and then there's a wand and then there's the wand ball. And then she goes and just sits on this table and le- it's, I, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh wait, so this is getting destroyed now? Like, what? Yeah. Well, and also, also, I'd like to point out that this, you know, Kryptonian society pretty much based on science, but apparently they've discovered magic. <laughs> well, this is Argo City. I mean, this is... Like Argo City, is it built on magic? That's if what Krypton, it seems if, to be. If Krypton, it's built on love. That's what it is. <laughs> if, Krypton, oh, if Krypton is Texas, then Argo City is Austin, right? Is that what we're... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, you, you've hit the nail on the head. Do, do, they all, do they all wear toga robes in Austin? You know, yes. <laughs> Except for Zoltar. Here's the thing I don't get. Why are they all wearing white robes, but Zoltar wears like Bill Cosby sweaters? I, I don't get it. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> Kara is flying through a lava lamp, and she has this little watch that goes off that beeps constantly. Yeah, the, the watch is, like, directing her to the Omega Hadron, yeah. Which is yeah. the source of that city's power, which is pretty important and should be treated that way. We cut to a park where we meet Selena, played by Faye Dunaway, who, wow, she's she still acted after this, but... <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm a big Faye Dunaway fan, and this is just wow, out of her element. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like you guys said that the, they have no idea what they're doing in this movie. It's like someone just like told them what the lines were before the scene. Like, okay, I'll figure it out. Let's let's roll. Let's roll. Let's go. In their defense, who did they have to study to look back at? They, other than like old like campy movie serials and stuff like that with comic book characters, they were kind of mm-hmm. I guess. Well, just look a few they, years earlier. Do what Gene. Hackman did. That'd be a million times better. Right, right. Yes, yes. Or Terrence Stamp. <laughs> yeah, if she's more like Terrence Stamp, I think that would work pretty well. She's having some champagne with Nigel, who, this guy's fine. The guy plays Nigel. <laughs> he doesn't look evil or anything immediately. And they talk of how she wants to rule the world, because that's what you do at picnics. And they talk <laughs> of black magic, and such as the Omega Hadron floats from the sky onto the picnic blanket. And Selena picks it up and says some spell on it. And then she dumps Nigel, as in breaks up with him, and takes off. Which, apparently, in the, the theatrical cut, it's pretty much just ball to blanket. We get no background on Selena and Nigel talking about witchcraft and stuff. Mm, yeah. Oh. And it's never really spelled out through the movie 
movie in the theatrical cut, so it's even like more bizarre. <laughs> that is bizarre. I wonder what they would cut out of this movie. It seems like, you know, the major character piece of Faye Dunaway's character should be part of the movie. That's just me. I don't make movies, but if I did, I think I'd include it. The uh, Omega Hedron has an effect on the electronics in her car. It even starts it on its own. And we hear over the radio at this point that Superman is on some peacekeeping mission several hundred light years away. So he will not be showing up in this movie. Yes, very important info dump there. Yes. (laughs) You can't run out on me, Selina. I've got the keys. And the president confirmed reports that Superman has indeed embarked on a special peace seeking mission to a galaxy scientists estimate maybe several hundred trillion light years from Because Christopher what? Reeve was supposed to be in this, or maybe they just asked him and he said no. Because they're like, oh, Reeve had to drop out. I'm like, he probably never even said yes. Well, the original idea for this movie was that Selena uses her magic to capture Superman, and then Supergirl has to save Superman. And when I read that, like that, you know, that two-sentence synopsis, I thought, man, that sounds like such a such a, mu- a much better movie than what we got here. <laughs> yeah. I would love to see that. Plus, you get Christopher Reeve as Superman, and that's never yeah. a good thing. And there'd probably be a scene where Superman would have to fight Supergirl. I'd watch the hell out of that. That sounds awesome. You go from Superman versus drunk Superman to Superman versus Supergirl. <laughs> that would be... It's a step up, I that think. That would be good. Supergirl then rises from the lake, and <laughs> man, that's... Yeah. <laughs> she explodes out of the lake yeah, more and, accurately. And we should say, in the costume, too. Somehow, yes. magically, oh, she has changed from the toga robe into the Superman costume. <laughs> Because she knows about Superman. Apparently that she's pen pals with with Clark, I guess. I don't know how to think of this information. I mean, when you see this scene, nothing looks right when she pops out of that lake. It wasn't her coming out of the lake. It was an image of her, like a piece of plywood that they shot out of the lake. (laughs) So it wasn't even her, which explains why her hair is completely bone dry, firing out of a lake. She starts discovering her powers immediately, showing her strength, having eye lasers, flying. Now, and so- let, let me jump in here. This is my favorite scene in the whole movie. I love this scene. This is part of what kind of charms me about this film. I just love the playfulness and childlike quality as she's slowly discovering her powers and that. You know, and it almost becomes this like little ballet dance in the sky where she's, you mm-hmm. know, all the twisting around and she's skimming across the water and all that stuff. Now, yeah, it does get a little ridiculous because yeah, then suddenly she's like soaring over the mountains, which again, we're in Illinois. No mountains there. Um, Haddonfield had mountains too in the first yeah. Halloween. They had, uh, had some yeah. mountains but in the back. It's just such a playful sequence. It, this is where I really start to go, oh yeah, Helen Slater's just giving it all she's got here. That sequence just always charms me. It cracks me up that she has this near omnipotent powers and the first thing she does like, well, I, th- I think I'll kind of sky prance. Like that, you know? <laughs> According to my research in the theatrical cut this moment you love todd not in there oh oh yeah they see. dumped it <laughs> she jumps out of the lake and then gets to business you mean she doesn't pick up a flower and use her heat vision to make it blossom i thought that was super weird that somehow like they didn't ignite the flower instead it opened it up well, see, that's part of the thing with the Superman movies. You just, whatever you need them to do, they can do. That's why you right. have, like, magical logos that engulf 
bad guys <laughs> I know. in the Superman 2. Yeah. <laughs> there, were, there were multiple times in this movie where I thought about that S. It's like, uh, it's, it's one of those, those moments again. Selina returns to her headquarters, which is like a 60s Batman villain there almost. We, speaking of 60s, we meet her assistant, Bianca, who feels oh. like someone who hasn't been a... Like, that's a that's a type of actress that, after the 60s, we quit seeing them in oh. shows, right? Bre- Brenda mm. Vaccaro is the worst thing about this movie. Ouch. There, there's a lot of things that I that I admit are bad about this movie. There's a lot of things that are strangely charm me about this movie. But Brenda Vaccaro is the human equivalent of nails on the chalkboard. I cannot stand her. She feels like of a different era than what she's in. She's almost like Blanche on Golden Girls. Oh, yes. yes. It's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is like Rue McClanahan in Supergirl. You're right. By the way, how awesome would it be if Rue McClanahan was the main witch in this movie. That's the movie I want. It could be a whole coven. You can get all four of the Golden Girls. <laughs> there you go. Well, Dorothy would clearly be the leader then. Well, it shows her the Omega Hadron, and Supergirl flies through the city. Her wrist thing starts going off, and she ends up on some empty street where a big semi-truck stops to approach her, and the truckers get out. One is Matt Frewer. Max Headroom. And uh, they, of course, attempt to sexually assault her because that's what two truckers do in a movie. (laughs) Well, again, this is another movie where it was before women had rights. If men see a, a, a woman, they have to do whatever they want with her. That was the law at the time, I believe, right? You're uh, Superman's best friend, huh? No. His cousin. I've come here to search for the Omega Hedron. It's a power source vital to Argo City. You see, that's where I live. No kidding. Eddie and me, uh, we're on a secret mission also. We're out looking for a good time. And you just won the brass ring, baby. <laughs> so she tells them, I'm Superman's cousin, and they continue to harass her. Yeah, yeah. Even after she uh, she does some damage, they still keep coming. And she I... flew in, too. Yes! Yes! <laughs> she, uh... Nothing but warning signs for these guys. No red flags in their heads. Matt Frewer is just hungry, I guess, but uh, she takes care of them, no problem, using her powers. And here's the other thing about this sequence that gets me. One of the things that you you start to tune in with this movie is you see who sponsored it, because there's product placement all over the place, and one of the big ones you first see on Matt Frewer's shirt is A&W Root Beer. A&W Root Beer Mm -hmm. keeps popping up in this movie, and I'm going, first of all, if A&W paid for product placement in this, why were they okay with it being (laughs) on the shirt of the guys that are trying to sexually assault her. Did you see us in the attempted rape scene? Did you see our logo? Thirsty, huh? (laughs) The official root beer of sexual offenders. (laughs) Uh, meanwhile, some crazy party is going on at Selena's, and Nigel's there begging to see the Omega Hadron. <laughs> this is not product placement, here's, but here's the other weird thing about this strange little town in Illinois. Everybody loves Howard Jones music, because that, <laughs> that's what's playing in Selena's party, and they play Howard Jones later at Popeye's, you know, and so... <laughs> I don't know why they love Howard Jones oh. there, but they do. Is he oh. from that town? Apparently. <laughs> Maybe. She tells him she's considering world domination. She'll squeeze it into her busy schedule of witching, I guess. Her and Nigel argue about things and she kicks him out. Supergirl awakes to the sound of a softball game going on in the woods because she fell asleep in the woods. And Hart Bachner, who plays Ethan... He's doing some groundwork there. Hans, booby. Terror trains, Hart Bachner. 
That's the three things I really know him from. Kara then assumes the look of one of the girls at the academy and has brown hair and then immediately goes and meets with the dean of the school and tells him <laughs> she, she is Linda Lee from something she saw that said Robert E. Lee. Ooh, is that, we, we can't watch this movie anymore. I we, guess. Got a contra- we got a controversial movie here yeah. on Supergirl. We just... I don't, know, I don't know about Supergirl anymore. And, of course, Nigel- we're continuing the tradition of double L names in Superman, right. you know. Yes. Joe Schuster and the other guy. I cannot remember his name right now, but oh, they liked alliteration, yeah. so that's, what, that's why they're all like that. And Nigel busts in on their meeting, and while the dean goes to see what he's talking about, she files herself into his cabinet with a letter from Clark Kent. And then he accepts this and takes her around the campus. He introduces her to her dorm and roommate, Lucy Lane. Oh, what a small universe. <laughs> the, yeah. Uh, the girls then know uh, Lucy's sister and Linda's cousin work together and then get to talking and hanging in the dorm. Lucy has a Superman poster on her wall and mentions her sister has something going with the big guy. Nigel teaches some computer course that Kara's taking and Selena stalks the school bus for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> like she- okay. Maybe she's like the Voldemort of this town just trying to get that school. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the, the school that they don't I don't think they mentioned the name of it at least at this point like uh, like we don't even know what town they're in we know almost nothing about this the only, the only thing that we do know is that Kara has to find this power source otherwise the city will die and the first thing she does is enroll in school yeah I, I'm Just, thinking they're all dead at this point you know absolutely right. hey. They said that, th- that they'd be dead within days. Mean- you're like, okay, well, I'll-, I'll take a computer class. Get to work, Supergirl. What are you doing? You don't need a secret identity. Who cares? Find the power source, you <laughs> jerk. Bianca stares at a shirtless Ethan cutting branches off a tree, and the Omega Hadron goes off, and Selena says her prince has come. Kara's watch goes off as she looks through the wall to see Selena's car driving off. She, not, not only does she have x-ray vision, but she has remarkable vision of uh, camera panning. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the, she doesn't move her head. That, that wall does not move, but for some reason, we stay focused on that car the whole time. She gets in uh, trouble with Nigel, who attempts to embarrass her for not paying attention, but it backfires on him. Linda... Are you with us? <laughs> um. Yes, sir, I am. Oh, are you? Where might I ask? Well, here, sir, on Earth, sir. <laughs> How fortunate for the rest of us. May I presume that whilst you are staring at the wall and not at your terminal, like your other little friends here, you were in fact hard at work solving this little equation oh yes sir i was i mean i was excellent the answer please pay attention class miss lee is about to enlighten us five billion two hundred seventy one million nine thousand and ten and then lucy warns her to watch it with the smart stuff we cut to the field hockey where Kara and Lucy play. Instead of playing. looking for the power source, yep. she plays field hockey. Some girls try to shoot Lucy with a ball, but Kara quickly hops in front and takes the hit. 
in which the ball explodes. And then in the showers, Supergirl shower scene, Kara notices the same girls trying to sabotage the shower water and she heats up the pipes back at them. And then at the dorm, Lucy invites Linda to go back home with her for a three-day weekend and says she can meet this guy that has it for her, Jimmy Olsen, (laughs) the only cast member agreeing to return. Real quick here, you know, you mentioned that there's this shower scene and it struck me how you know here we have arguably one of the first films to focus on a female superhero and we still have to have a gratuitous mm. shower scene <laughs> yes. yeah they also kept that camera real high like yeah. they, you yeah. don't see much below the shoulder at all it's not like i'm like clamoring like oh, i gotta see some super boobs i'm not no, I don't, no we don't need that but it is awkwardly tight you mentioned you know it's the first female-centric superhero major motion picture and you have that shower scene and then you have the powerful villainous sorcerer who's just looking for the right man right she says that she wants more power so she can rule the world and the first thing she does is try to kid a man that she didn't even like at first i don't understand how the first time she saw him she's like i don't care and then nothing happens and the next time she sees him like well i gotta hypnotize him and make him mine Kara says to Lucy that she's going to stay home. But the next thing we see is Kara outside and Lucy saying she'll see her at Popeye's. Yep. The next but, big product placement there, Popeye's. That's the like, place to hang out in this town. So, so did Lucy say, you know what? I won't go home either. We'll go get something to eat at Popeye's. Jimmy can come here. It's one thing they have product placement, but all the product placement is like are, are these mid-level products. <laughs> Right? Like A&W and Popeyes. They're not like the best of what they are, but they're also not the worst. And somehow that makes it sadder to me. I wonder, did Popeye's Chicken have like Supergirl kids meals or anything? I do remember, this is weird, but Ponderosa had like Leonard Part 6 stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember? I I remember there was like Leonard Part 6 stuff up in Ponderosa and I think the kids meal came with something. I don't... I what don't, possible I, toys could they have for Leonard Part I 6? I don't know. I just remember going, that was like one of the first times I heard about Leonard Part 6. And so I was like, I was at Ponderosa. I was like, what? They had the little cardboard thing at the table. There was like a menu placement. Did you, did you flip six. over the placemat and it had a maze where it showed you how to get out of the theater so you wouldn't have to see Leonard 6? Is that what it was? <laughs> Supergirl flies the city at night. She already knows how to patrol. It's good. Selena is at her hideout, the lair, crafting a potion. And then Ethan shows up as Selena called him for some landscape stuff. As she offers him a drink and puts her potion in it. He starts becoming drugged, then passes out. Nigel shows up while Selena and Bianca are trying to keep him out of the door. Ethan awakes and stumbles out the back through a funhouse. <laughs> Something we haven't really mentioned a whole bunch here. When you say her lair, it's an abandoned amusement park. So basically we have a Scooby-Doo villain with magical powers <laughs> as, as our villain in this movie. And she lives in a funhouse because who wouldn't want to live in a den of nightmares? They finally ditch Nigel and then notice Ethan's gone and Selena, she was like magic balls him in their mirror kind of to find him. And Ethan has his eyes closed wandering through the city and construction zones. And we go to Popeye's where Jimmy Olsen and Lucy are eating out with some other kids. And Lucy spots Linda walking outside and takes her back into Popeye's to meet Jimmy. Selena watches Ethan and tries to have a spell to bring him back. But construction equipment starts going on its own and all of a sudden 
sudden we have a crazy dangerous situation going on with crashing cars and stuff chasing yeah. Ethan and it scoops him up and Kara spots him from the Popeyes and Lucy tries on her own to get in the vehicle and stop it and then she sort of helps but then after a rocky <laughs> she- bump she gets knocked out. It's because she takes after her sister. Lois yeah. Lane goes and does dumb stuff, you know, and always is getting into trouble. Lucy's doing the same thing here. And unfortunately, their skulls seem to be made of porcelain because she had a very light bump. It just seems like she was more drowsy. It's like, well, I mean, this is a good a place to nap as any. A giant tire also knocks loose somewhere and begins rolling around. And there also becomes the threat of fire from some loose gasoline and power lines. <laughs> There's so much chaos going on. And Supergirl is standing there. Supergirl emerges from Popeyes. And and, uh, I don't know, which which is better, Supergirl emerging from the pond or Supergirl emerging from Popeyes chicken? Well, I love when she pops, she she gently floats above Popeyes and lands. And then the product placement that may have bothered me the most... I hope you guys saw this, that there's a couple of billboards that are up there. One is for Tylenol, and then just down the road is for Stay Free. (laughs) So this clearly had to be just a bunch of guys in a boardroom like, what do the broads need? Let's see. Uh, When it's their time of the month, they got the cramps, so we'll get the painkillers. And when it's also the time of the month, we'll show them the Stay Free stuff. They're going to love it. Supergirl pops a hole in a water tower to save the day, and Selena watches as Supergirl takes on the construction vehicle, and Ethan looks at Kara as Linda and says, I love you. Selena gets pissed. He recites some trite poetry and kisses her as Kara runs off. Selena and Bianca argue about Linda and going after her. It says, She's just a teenager. What good is a sword if it's not unleashed? But she's a total zero. You don't even know her name. The naming of names is not necessary. I'll just concentrate on her face, and my shadow will do the rest. Your what? Power of shadow. Take shape. Selena then does some summoning for a creature or something to destroy her. (laughs) Something, uh, an invisible thing tears through her lair and leaves a hole in the wall. And she goes, next time, remind me to do this outside. And then the laugh track hits. (laughs) But... But that is a, a great description of this, that she summons something and then something happens. <laughs> you just kind of sit there like, did I miss something? What the hell's happening, movie? And the weather starts to change. It gets all yes. stormy and all that. Yeah. I think it's an invisible dragon, I guess, because of the hexahedron or whatever. It's being stored inside like a dragon thing, yeah, right? It's this oh, the, the lead Hadron, dragon yeah. box, and it keeps growing and growing and getting bigger. So, yeah. so I, I and they never tell I, us it's lead, right? We just know that from reading about Supergirl. That's that's why she couldn't see through it or I something. Th- I think they do say it at one point. Oh, they, yeah. they say it. The um the the sidek- the awful sidekick. She does say that it's made of lead. Uh, so B- Bianca, you cool cat. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I kind of interpreted it as she made an invisible form of this lead dragon box that's walking around, I guess. Kara returns to her dorm and the storm rages on outside, knocking down trees in its wake, model trees. 
It approaches the campus, and Kara stares it down through the window as it crushes cars. She flies out the window, becoming Supergirl through the window. Just In the comics, I'm not sure which form Supergirl was at this point. I know it. she could like make clothes materialize on herself. Like She could change her form and stuff like that. But I don't think that was established yet at this point. So I think this is just bad movie making, right? Or just who cares? <laughs> you know, that Selena watches... While drinking wine with Bianca, wondering where the wimp is, Supergirl then fights nothing. Kara grabs a light pole <laughs> that helps to reveal the monster and also disintegrates it. Well, yeah, this is an important science lesson here. Apparently, you can you could just take a light pole and it will absorb blue lightning. And then you can will that lightning to shoot out and blast invisible monsters. <laughs> Like, if she at least stabbed it, like, I wouldn't even care about the electricity part of it. I mean, it's ridiculous, but she just kind of, like you said, wills the electricity out of the... What? It's another one of those Superman pulls the S off his chest moments. Mm-hmm. Supergirl returns into the dorm, and the dorm maiden drunkenly, like, scolds her for her attire. <laughs> She's great. Like, this... There, <laughs> there. Like, I'm like, whoa. Where have you been? Outside, I... Look at those clothes. Well, I'll go change. I'm sorry. And you'll put on your proper school uniform and get out of that ridiculous costume. Yes, ma'am. And cover your legs. Yes, ma'am. Don't you yes, ma'am, me. No, ma'am. As Selena measures some demon, that demon statue, Bianca tries to... Tells Selena she's being silly for all this and says maybe the most self-aware line in the whole movie of... I think you're blowing this thing out of proportion if you want my opinion. This box is definitely getting bigger and uglier. All I'm saying is you can't go nuts over a landscape guy and a teenager in a blue suit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she has... Hey, Bianca, we much... She may have made the most sense of any character in this movie at this point. Selena has potentially unlimited magical power, and instead she's focusing on a gardener. There's plenty of people, like in this town at least, right? Or just do it and hope Supergirl didn't show up, or you'll stop her. Something. Uh, Selena is obsessed that Supergirl can fly. Bianca begins another spell involving the Megahedron. Kara's watch then goes off. She grabs it and starts on the move outside, leading her to Selena's lair. And while outside the carnival, she runs into Ethan, all dolled up with chocolates and roses. And, and I uh, wonder how did he? How did he follow her or, or find her? Did he just walk around and hope that he would see her? <laughs> I don't know. Does he just hang out at the amusement park? Is that what he does now? Maybe the spell's bringing both of them to the amusement park. I don't don't know. Well, it would have been nice if the movie clued us in on what was happening. They get on a ride, and he introduces himself with his name and asks her to marry him. She's taken back, but he insists to give him a chance. Love makes everything possible, and says he'll support them both. And as they go to kiss, the ride turns on, and Selena reveals herself and makes it go super fast, using her powers. She stops the cars, but it's just Ethan alone in one. Supergirl comes down behind her. They exchange who they are, and Selena then makes Ethan disappear and reappear in the bumper car track. And then she multiplies herself kind of blocking Kara from okay. getting there. Selena makes the ride spin around. When she stops it, Ethan's there. Linda's not there. <laughs> and then Supergirl shows up. This is classic one of those moments where it's like, you should all be going, of course, 
they're the same person. Right. It's Lois Lane syndrome. It's Steve Trevor syndrome. They never seem to be able to figure out that these people are the exact same person. And here we don't even have a pair of glasses to help out. The face is the same. Supergirl flies over and then throws a bunch of rods around Selena, entrapping her, and grabs Ethan's bumper car he'd gotten into, and then they fly away in the iconic shot of Supergirl flying him in a bumper car away. Uh, the bumper cars are cool, I'll say. They've got these yeah. football player heads on them. Bizarre. Mm-hmm. I don't think oh, I've yeah. ever seen ones like that in an actual amusement park. I don't know. I think uh, I also love that she saves him from the menacing bumper cars. He was already in a bumper car. Like He was fine. He saved him, so he got out he saved you know just take the hits she saved him from having a sore neck i guess (laughs) selena casts a spell that like bends all the rods so she can walk out and says now i'm really upset goes back to her lair kara is flying ethan and the bumper car as dawn breaks she takes him to the place where she arrived and a coconut comes flying in and clocks ethan (laughs) in the head knocking him out cold where does this coconut come from because again (laughs) they're in Illinois. illinois okay (laughs) <laughs> that coconut would have had to travel a couple thousand miles to get there. Unless it just came off the shelf at the A&P or something. You know, I don't know. Right, yes. <laughs> but but it's not, you know, how we see coconuts when we go to like a grocery store where it's a small, rough little ball. It's the whole giant damn casing that's heavier than a bowling ball. And Selena was the one who threw it and she cast the power of shadow bring him to me but it won't work and Bianca says they should give Nigel a call for help because he knows things that they don't and she has him around her finger anyway after Kara creepily puts coconut water on Ethan's lips Nigel's with Selena wanting to know what's in it for him and his task is to get uh, Ethan there and he opens something with a spider because spiders are creepy. Yeah, that was the um, uh, that was part of the love spell that Selena did. Right, right. Yes, yeah, so as long as the spider is inside the walnut, then Ethan would be in love with whoever he saw. Ethan wakes up disoriented. He has no idea that Supergirl isn't Linda. Supergirl says she has to go and she'll come back for him. And Ethan says he he loves Linda and is heading to get out of there. As Supergirl and Ethan discuss her flying and how could he love Linda? Uh, Nigel and Selena are casting something. And then Supergirl kisses Ethan as they argue about Linda being alright. And Ethan realizes, oh, she is Linda. And then he disappears, reappears in Selena's hideout, tied to a bed. Supergirl flies away. Selena tells Nigel he's a pure genius and deserves her she kisses him and then takes his wand and with the omegahedron makes him old and messed up looking let's get out of this dump in the middle of town jimmy and lucy witness a mountain with a fortress on top appear in this little town supergirl arrives and flies into the fortress and she's in some sort of bedroom with say a satanic statue in it Uh, ethan is tied to the fireplace now and supergirl goes to get him but bumps into an invisible wall and is trapped into the phantom zone as she watches ethan Ethan get freed by selena and kisses her here's another thing where it's just like where is this coming from why suddenly selena who is you gotta admit kind of bumbling her way through her magical powers here suddenly able to tap into kryptonian technology and conjure up the phantom zone how does she know about the phantom zone yes that's maddening i'll say this i am glad we get to the phantom zone i think the one of the coolest things supergirl does is shows us the phantom zone Mm -hmm. but how is it here (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, and to Selena, it's not just like, oh, I'm, I'm sending her nowhere, which happens to be the Phantom Zone. She calls it by name, the Phantom Zone. If Selena had like a, a pal that was also Kryptonian or had had some sort of Kryptonian background of something, and then, you know, well, you might have the power to summon the Phantom Zone. Okay, but with her, uh, I doubt Bianca's studied up on Kryptonian stuff. I don't think Nigel knows the arts of uh, Krypton. Did Superman write a book? <laughs> That's the only thing I can think of. I mean, the Phantom Zone never got to Earth. It was uh, hit by a rocket in space. There must be multiple Phantom Zones or something like that. Because, yeah, yeah, the one that had Zod and all them, that blew up already. Supergirl enters this barren wasteland, which is the Phantom Zone. Lo- looks a bit and- like the Bog of Eternal Stench from Labyrinth. <laughs> Yes, yeah, it does. To me, it looks like like what an Italian horror movie would envision hell to be like. That's what it looks like to me. (laughs) You're both very on the point with that. Supergirl tries powers to no avail and also finds out she can bleed. She wanders and gets trapped in some quicksand, sludge stuff. And uh, Selena then drives around town and people are protesting Selena. They (laughs) made those signs very quickly. (laughs) They did. Yeah. How much time has passed in this movie? How do they even know it's her that did all this? That's what I want to know is... She how do they know her address to the people? Or yeah, how do they know her name? I, again, there, there's uh, too much and not enough in this movie. And Jimmy Olsen, I mean, come on, Jimmy Olsen. You know, he wants to be a big name at the newspaper and stuff. Why isn't he out like taking pictures, making notes, calling up Perry White, saying, "Hey, I got the scoop here in the middle of Illinois." <laughs> yeah, no shit. Like, hey Perry, guess what? A mountain appeared. Yeah, out of nowhere. You won't believe what's happening here. There's a fortress at the top of a mountain. It just appeared. I was drinking a delicious A&W root beer. And then it just popped up. Yeah, <laughs> right. And not Superman, but a Supergirl came and saved the day. And then a mountain showed up. Then I took a Tylenol. While listening to Howard Jones music. Howard Jones. Right. Lucy was buying some stay-free pads. Ethan is now Prince Ethan, and uh, Lucy and Jimmy, they're, of course, among the protesters. And after Lucy talks some smack to Selena, Selena has him apprehended. Seize them! Like that, like, like that would be the, like, you know what? Fair enough. Freedom of the press. Write what you have to write, newspaper boy. Oh, you're boy. that Jimmy Olsen. Oh, well, you can go, sir. <laughs> After passing out in the sludge, Supergirl is saved by a cloaked figure who turns out to be, oh, Zoltar. Oh, I didn't think that was coming. <laughs> he asks if she wants a squirt, which... Don't get grossed out. It's some form of alcohol that he sprays in his mouth. A little uh, tip for everyone out there. If a older man asks you if you want to squirt, the answer is always no. Especially one wearing a Bill Cosby sweater. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Why don't you come into my dark lair? Want to squirt? I'm good. I'm good. Selena has Jimmy, Lucy, and Nigel dangling in these ball cages from her ceiling. <laughs> I, I did like the line, who's that guy? He's my math teacher, I think. <laughs> Yeah, it just takes a moment to ground it. Like the, the movie's like, this is ridiculous, right, folks? Okay, that's enough of that. Nigel's like, no, I'm, I'm a powerful wizard. <laughs> He's just a guy in a tattered suit now. 
Carol argues with Zoltar about his giving up on life after the destruction of Argo City. She finds a model horse he made and says, On Earth, I think it's called a horse. And you made this here? Hmm. Then you haven't given up. Don't be ridiculous. Earth, Zoltar, Earth, a tree, a horse. You keep making things from Earth. The place intrigues me. Well, then let's go there. Certainly. When is the next train? What is a train? It's so funny. Don't laugh at me, Zoltar. I'm only laughing at myself. He follows that there's a way out, but it's impossible. After some hesitancy, Supergirl convinces Zoltar to give it a try. He goes, well, we could try trying. And uh, she says, we won't. While Selena is plotting world domination, the box starts going crazy. And she says, whatever the box wants, the box gets. A portal begins appearing in her fortress. It's also appearing in the Phantom Zone, where Supergirl and Zoltar are trying to escape. Zoltar tells her she must confront her demons and blah, 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 blah. Uh, It's like this uh, cyclone of red stuff, and they struggle to climb across rocks, and Bianca spots them from the fortress side of things, saying, she's with some old guy, it looks like. And they look like two dots from their view, but okay. (laughs) That spinning red cyclone made me think about uh, the Master Control Program in Tron. (laughs) Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I wish I wish it was the best control program. Just talking to them, like you know, just taunting them, telling them they'll never get out. That would have been awesome. But here we are with Supergirl. Zoltar spots their way out, but light beams keep firing out, and he loses grip. But Supergirl grabs him, and they crawl towards the opening. Selena looks through a book and summons the Demon Storm. As they go to leave, Zoltar helps Supergirl up and then allows himself to be carried into the cyclone, saying, I am with you. Glad he's helped her up, but why did they have to have us show her saving him for the two seconds left that he could push her up? (laughs) Because they needed to fill more time. I don't know. Supergirl then becomes incredibly stoic as she approaches the opening and flies out, crashing into the fortress. Selena then adds spikes below her friend's cages. She's just flying to the fortress. She explodes through a mirror into the fortress. Fellas, how does the Phantom Zone work? (laughs) Can you just access it through any mirror? I I don't get it. I don't think Supergirl has the answers for that. <laughs> Supergirl uh, provides no answers. To but she anything. does have an, she does have the answer for the spikes, which she breathes on them. They're cold and they break them just as the cages fall, crashing open. Jimmy, Lucy, Nigel all escape, and then Supergirl demands the Omega Hadron, and uh, Selena says, "Then Supergirl, you shall have it." And Selena fires the Nigel wand thing, uh, like removing bricks from the wall and then making the ground around Supergirl shake and wobble, and the Staten statue falls and. Crashes crashes just just missing supergirl bianca tries to leave but selena scares her with some magic pushing her at a wall and she stays selena then says power of shadow appear and we see some smoky foggy dragon show up and it sucks supergirl into its grasp and it's like some avatar for selena like she's controlling it like she's in virtual Mm, reality without the headset i'm assuming uh, this is the same thing that was invisible you know in the whole lightning sequence and all that too so i Yes. <laughs> and is it is it the devil? I mean, I guess that's the thing. Is this really just, I mean, are we getting into religious things with this I just thought it was a dragon. Movie? I don't know. Is it- I mean, that, that statue was super satanic. Oh, yeah. That was not just like a dragon. Yeah. That was like a satanic statue. And for some reason, as the movie went on, it grew boobs. Did you notice that on the dragon? <laughs> no, I didn't see that. 
It, it, it absolutely said. Go, watch it again, because I know you can't wait to watch it again. The, for some reason, the the dragon has boobs. Crushing and stretching Supergirl in its hands, and Supergirl says, I can't. But then Peter O'Toole's voice chimes in with, you can. And she breaks free it, of the like grasp. It's like Obi-Wan at the end of Star yeah. Wars. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so the Force is in this movie as well. Instead cool. of something mystical, magical of the Force will be with you, use the Force. It's, you can. <laughs> He's the Rob Schneider of this movie. <laughs> right. She breaks free of the grass, and then Supergirl flies at Selena, getting really small and then circling fast around her, forming a cyclone for some reason. And then the dragon comes at Selena, and Bianca gets turned into the cyclone too. And they all are blasted into the mirror that Supergirl crashed through, and it becomes complete again, goes back together. <laughs> And then Ethan hands Supergirl the Omegahedron. She says she needs to take it to where it belongs. And then Jimmy and Lucy, Lucy agree they never even saw her. I don't know why that's a big deal. But. <laughs> Who cares? Like, and, great, there's another well, super person on the planet. And didn't all the people at Popeye's already see her once anyway? So are you going to shut all <laughs> them up, too? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Jimmy Olsen's going to write some, like, slam piece, like, oh, gas leak in Illinois City. Uh, Did, probably uh, she doesn't want people to remember her because she let a bunch of bad stuff happen before she actually jumped on top of that Popeye's and got to work. <laughs> Ethan tells Supergirl he knows her secret, but he'll never tell. And she flies out, and Jimmy, Ethan, and Lucy all appear in the streets as Supergirl returns underwater and back to Argo City? That apparently isn't dead. You think it yeah. would be by now. So then the credits roll, and that is Supergirl. During uh, so. the, the scene where, where Supergirl finally takes down Selina, and she and she shrinks down and turns into her tornado and stuff. My wife was in the was in the room. She wasn't like watching it. It's like, no, look at this. You tell me what the hell is happening in this scene. <laughs> Why does Supergirl have the ability to shrink? And why do they get sucked into a mirror? What is this? What is this? Who wrote this? Who said, yes, this makes total sense, top to bottom. Put it in the movie. David Odell did. Well, I'm going to find him and I'm going to fight him. Shame. (laughs) Even if he's dead, I'm going to punch his corpse. (laughs) That's how upset I am about this scene. He's still alive. Well, I'm coming for you. Watch yourself. I was reading in this book, you know, The Witch's Guide to Heaven and Hell. And if you start your own coven, all you have to do is charge five bucks a head minimal admission. That's great. Chicken feed. Now comes the point in the episode where we rate the movie we just watched. As we are cult cinema cavalcade, we keep things nice and culty. Our ratings are as follows. Stay with your family, which means... You could say Argo F yourself city with the movie. You don't you want it to be destroyed just like Argo City. Converted, which means you're kinda got a thing for uh landscaping guys. They're alright with you, you're fine with that. Or drinking the Kool-Aid, which means you are all in for Amiga Hedrons, uh, sorcery, mountains in the sky, and magical dragons. So Todd, how do you rate Supergirl? I, I drink the Kool-Aid on this. It, it's strange. I mean I mean everything you're saying about this movie is right. All the ridiculousness and all that, but I, I just I, I get into it for some reason. I I think that a lot of people, if this is one you've let slip by, you can enjoy it on many levels. I am at the point now where I enjoy it, where I just let it kind of let it wash over me, and I get caught up in Helen Slater doing her thing, and 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 I admit, hey, I mean, I grew up in the '80s. I'd be lying if I said I didn't have a crush on Helen Slater at one point, more from The Legend of Billie Jean than from this one. But she does a fine job with it, and I kind of am at the point where I 
just let all the ridiculousness kind of wash over me and I enjoy it for what it is. If you can't do that, you're going to sit here and go, wow, that was a really bad movie. I mean, if you if you enjoy a bad movie, this is definitely a bad movie. I've watched it many times. I own this movie now. I admit all its faults, but it still charms me. So I totally drink the Kool-Aid with this one. Colin. I'd like to point out a couple of good things about this movie is when the invisible dragon is approaching Supergirl. I thought that was a pretty effective sequence where so the land getting pressed down and stuff breaking. I liked that part. I do think that Helen Slater, I think she she was well cast in the part. We've mentioned before, all the actors in this are ridiculous except for her. I'd also like to point out that Supergirl, she's not very good at her job. There is no urgency to save this city at all all there are often times where she's trying to help she's actually kind of a kind of a dick like when she stops like the the girls from turning on the hot water in the shower she uses her heat vision to you know spray the girls that are trying to you know to uh scold everyone but when she does that does she just just you know burst those pipes which makes a big old piece of work for the janitorial staff and i thought like you little jerk why don't you think about what you're doing yes ah like yeah and then like you know like i said earlier the destruction in that town before she finally does something the tire that huge tire the construction equipment the gasoline the fire <laughs> there's a person unconscious in a piece of construction equipment you know going around the town and even when she pulls ethan off of the machinery flies away she still just lets that <laughs> that machinery just wander around on its own and just kind of crunches up to front of a building and like oh well okay i guess she saved the day uh overall I gotta say, I stay with my family on this. Yeah, it just... I like superhero movies a lot, and we all know this isn't a good movie. We, we're, we're making no qualms about that, but I, I just think there's gonna be better bad superhero movies to spend your time watching than Supergirl. So, Brandon, how do you rate Supergirl? Supergirl is one that I I don't know what it is, but when I when I watched it years ago, and I still feel the same way now, I get a kick out of it because there's a what were they thinking type attitude that I meet with laughter, where some people can meet with anger, which there's some movies where I'm like, what were they thinking, and I'm angry or confused about, but this one, I get good laughs at. I think it's a big misfire, lots of missteps, all the out-of-place legendary actors like Peter O'Toole and Faye Dunaway just probably at the most low point in their careers <laughs> in Supergirl. It's just such a mess and so weird and doesn't make sense. It's just, I don't know. It's funny to me. I, I laugh I laugh a lot through it. I enjoy Helen Slater's fine. Enjoy that. I, I'd much rather look back and see Helen Slater than they were going with like Demi Moore or Brooke Shields is who the studio wanted. And then the director got his way and got Helen Slater because he wanted a nobody. And... I don't know. I just, there's some sort of fun, funny, odd, I'm not going to watch Supergirl like every week or anything, but it's fun to go back and pop in time to time. If I'm met with choosing between like Supergirl, Superman 3 or Superman 4, I think I'm most likely going to choose Supergirl just because oh, yeah. it's that silly and I'll take that. So I drink the Kool-Aid on Supergirl. I have a kick with the silly. Yeah, I take Supergirl over Superman 3 or 4 any day. I mean, Superman 4 is just awful and Superman 3, like I said, gives me nightmares because that robot. So I, I'd sooner watch Supergirl than Superman 3 again, but I just about any day I will watch Superman 4 because it's just such a train wreck. And it's 80 minutes. So. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> that, that also helps it out. It's, a, it's another movie where there's too much and not enough. Do you know him? Superman? 
Sure. My sister's got something going with the big guy. He's a real character. A real hunk. On the next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we're kicking off our month of horror with the 1989 Wes Craven film Shocker. Joining us for discussion will be Brian Collins from Horror Movie A Day, the website and the book, and birthmoviesdeath.com. Thank you for streaming, downloading, acting like you listen, or whatever you do. And thank you so much, Todd Liebenau, for joining us. Thanks for having me. It was fun. And where can people find all your work? Well, you can find my main blog, Forgotten Films, over at forgottenfilmcast.wordpress.com, and that's where you'll also find links to both of my podcasts. And uh, follow me on Twitter, at Forgotten Films. That's films with a Z. And we look forward to next time. But first, stay tuned for the trailer to Shocker, the trailer that actually trails. We are here today to bear witness to the execution of Horace Pinker, whose unspeakable atrocities have horrified the people of this great state. He stands convicted of 52 counts of aggravated assault, 23 counts of armed robbery, and 37 counts of murder in the first degree. Prisoner, have any final words? Yeah. No more, Mr. Nice Guy. I don't think he's dead. Contact. He's among you. Now, Wes Craven brings you his greatest creation. No more! Shocker. listening to cult cinema cavalcade part of the creative zombie studios network for press opportunities advertising opportunities and more information on cult cinema cavalcade contact mail at cult produced by brad shoemaker edited by brandon peters narration by rebecca peters theme song pink baby by happy elf appears courtesy of the free music network The film and music featured in this episode are part of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Join us again in two weeks for a new episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. Brought to you by... Hello, she says. Well, hello to you, honey bun. Hello. I was wondering if you could tell me where I am. What do they call this place, Eddie? Lover's Lane, isn't it? You got it in one, Billy Boy. Lover's Lane. Oh, no. You see, what I meant was, is, well, those lights over there, what are they called? Check out the view from back here, Eduardo. Stop that.